You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories, their nuanced conversations, and forward thinking, and not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing, but not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fade to Gray podcast. I almost said four in tow, but wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong show. Uh, It's Elizabeth here today. I've got Chris as well. We are going to do our installment of the health series. And today I'm going to introduce to you one of the most special people in my life. And no, I'm not talking about Omar. I'm talking about my dad, Dr. Glenn Ham, MD. Ooh, that sounds fancy. All yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome on, Dr. Ham. How are you? Okay. Hi. This is Dr. Ham. How are you doing? Good. Doing well. She's she's prejudiced. Oh, yeah. Prejudiced? Well, she's prejudiced. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's allowed, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris, do you know what MD stands for? Is it medical doctor? It stands for my dad. Ah, <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> Dr. Ham, yeah. MD, my dad. That makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. So the reason I wanted to have my dad or Dr. Ham on today is because we wanted to talk about childhood obesity. To me, it feels like a trendy thing to talk about, uh, but... Maybe it's not just a trendy thing. Maybe there is an issue. Like, I want I wanted to bring my dad on because Dr. Ham is a pediatrician. So, thank you. I I can't call him Dr. Ham. I've got to call him Dad. You can thank call him you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dad, for coming on okay. to talk with us today. You're welcome. So, Dad, is there a an issue with obesity in children? in the United States specifically, or the world? Because we hear a lot about Americans being hungry, which doesn't make sense to me. But what do you know? (laughs) I mean, I'm hungry right now. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hungry doesn't matter. You think you're hungry, but you can probably get by without eating. Yeah. Most definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, obesity, first to define it, um, is anybody with a body mass index, which is a ratio of the weight over height, um, that's over the 95th percentile. In Europe, they call it in, over the 85th percentile. Is In the States, they call it risk of obesity if it's 85th to 95th percentile. It's a lot of numbers. but the, um, and, then, and then we call obesity or overweight is over 95th percentile. So you take us. Uh, a chart of all kids weights at exactly a certain age then you can split it up and make this curve that has different levels like 50 percent all right means right smack in the middle and you go up to 75th and 20 25th and 75th percentile that's that's uh, one standard that's a little bit in the sort of the acceptable range but when it gets outside of that 85 it starts to be a concern if it gets over 95 off the top of that scale and that's what we, we consider that obesity. It is really a problem. Um, just I just pulled an old article that uh, was published about four years ago. And it, it uh, it's, uh, says the prevalence in the United States is 18% in kids 2 to 19. 
and it's uh, then they break it down a little bit. The two to five year olds, there's 14 percent. Uh, six to 11 year olds, it's about 18 percent, and then the 12 to 19 year olds is 20 percent. Of those kids, are all over that 95th percentile weight. So pretty good chunk. Mm. Pretty good chunk. A fifth of them are overweight. You said that was an old article. What uh, what year is that from? Nineteen uh, two thousand fifteen. It was published in the Journal of Family Practice, April two thousand fifteen, volume four, number two. Do you think that number has increased by now? In the four years, uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So it's, wow, that's shocking. It's pretty high. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, something I think people need to be aware of. Well, I'm I'm curious. You've been a doctor for how long? About 30 years. Okay. So 30 years ago, would you say that the, I know a lot of people now are calling it an epidemic. Would you say that the problem of childhood obesity was uh, way more rare back then? Yeah, it wasn't as common then, I think. What factors make that, like, in 30 years change so much? Well, there's certainly, um, I think lifestyle is a biggie. Uh, I think we uh, 30 years ago, kids could go out and play and uh, run off energy and be busy. And now we uh, they come indoors and their parents are afraid to let them play outside unless it's an organized sport. And so, and then they play video games and don't get any exercise. So they're sitting in front of the mm. screens all the afternoon, evening, and not getting any exercise. So they're not burning it off either. And then, of course, we could argue about fast food and stuff. This article had some discussion about that it was sort of a review article i don't know how you're interested in all that stuff sure yeah that's why we're here okay well just bear with me um it does it does make a difference on uh kind of what our calorie concentration is like we eat fatty foods it has more uh energy it's harder to burn it off um our snack foods are higher calories uh like candy bars and stuff our portion sizes are increased, you know, used to get smaller sizes. Now everything's getting big and giant and mega sized. And then, um, and I think the family meal is gone too, where everybody sits down and eats together instead of grazing and snitching all day and having the sort of a different attitude about family meal. So yeah. What is a family meal? That's they, they, they define that as everybody sits down together. It, seriously, they made a definition and um, and eats the same meal together. So mm. so that the parents are modeling how to eat right, how to eat proper portions, how to sit down, and have communication, and how to take time just to be together. But it's also modeling proper eating habits. And they, they say we're doing well if we can have four family meals a week. I thought that's pretty lame. But that's what they thought that was better than what we're doing, which it probably is. Golly, four family yeah. meals a week? I, I was lucky if we had four family meals a year. Oh, really? Okay. So diff- <laughs> yeah. different yeah. different lifestyle. And it's even probably getting worse because uh, in the old days, you know, every mom would ring the dinner bell and everybody would come in for supper when it got, was getting uh-huh. dark or something. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. I had neighbors who did that. They they had one of those, you know, uh, triangles and Seriously, uh, yeah. the mom would come out there and she would, you know, bang on that triangle and let us all know it was time to eat, you know, and I thought, man, that's so cool. But at my house, it was like, uh, oh, go warm yourself up some chicken nuggets. And I'm like, all right, cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, okay. that's the way it was at my place. Mm-hmm. But it's not my mom's fault. She, she didn't know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're a good cook today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had to figure it out. 
Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I grew up with, though, was the family meals. And I, I know what that's like. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> did them every day. But I'm really bad about doing them with our kids. Like, I can get my kids to sit down and eat, but I have a hard time eating with my kids because they're always asking me for things. <laughs> so I'm like, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. You're like the mom in A Christmas Story where uh, the kids are and the husband are constantly asking for, you know, something she can't even get to the table and eat herself. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a short order cook, which isn't really good for the family getting together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying that basically there's uh, a higher intake of calories. There's less um, basically exercise in people's everyday uh, routine. Mm -hmm. And because they're intaking more calories and because they're, I guess uh, you would say, uh, expelling less calories, they're storing that Mm -hmm. and they're getting fat. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the main thing here, right? That's what um, sort of the physiology, the science of, of, of it, they also throw in some other factors. The psychology of it is that mm. there's uh, increased depression and anxiety, and so we self-medicate by eating when we get anxious or or uh, depressed. Um, Guilty most of the time, <laughs> and uh, and then once they're overweight, then that affects the self-esteem, and so that's sort of a vicious right. vicious cycle. Because I'm overweight, uh, people don't like me. I, I look bad. I don't feel good about myself. And so I'm going to go do whatever makes me feel better, which is to eat. So, Yeah. Ooh, that is a rough cycle to be in. Yeah. Luckily for me, I feel really great about myself, even though I may not look good. I'm one of those people who have like uh, <laughs> the reverse. Uh, what is it um, where they think they look ugly, even though they don't? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's what I have. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I've known Chris way. for a while. I can jab at him a lot. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but this is really concerning, though, because it, it, it kind of like the, the kids get stuck in this cycle and it creates a pattern for their entire life mm-hmm. and they're going to end up being sick and they're going to cost the taxpayers millions and it's going to be, you know, not only a bad thing, they're going to have a low quality of life. It's also going to affect everyone around them as well. So, yeah. um, would you say that, cause I heard you say earlier about how fat's harder to burn. Would, are, do you believe in any of these fad diets, like a, a ketogenic diet or anything like that? Um, do you think that those are beneficial or would you just say, Hey, especially for kids. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm, for worried, kids. I'm worried about uh, any fad diet. Um, I think for one, it focuses on food and the focus probably should be taken away from the food. But also mm. a lot of the, the fad diets are restrictive diets and you're going to mess up their um, balance of their nutritional intake. So I suppose somebody, I don't know, you have two-year-olds that don't eat any vegetables, well, give them a Flintstone vitamin. But uh, if they're really crazy about some bad diet, then I worry about, uh, you know, they're going to be missing out on something that they need. So it might mess up their their health overall. So. Yeah. Well, so, you're, so is it just portion control? Like what's the, I, what would you say to help this? Yeah, I do think we need to be reasonable with portions. And I think we need to be um, offering good food. Okay. So like the chicken nuggets that are in the freezer, go get them probably isn't the best idea. We'll talk about that later. Bring me back to that, okay? The, uh, mm-hmm. On uh, ideas to work with it. Yeah. Sure. Um, couple, one, I just kind of want to throw in that um, what are the consequences of the obesity? If you don't mind, could jump back to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, because 
uh, obese kids are, have higher, higher incidence of obviously obese teenagers, and those obese mm -hmm. teenagers have higher obesity and higher obesity in adult life. And we gave you those numbers. It's around 20 percent, 18 to 20 percent in those uh, preteen and teen years. Mm -hmm. And you'd carry that over, and instead of going down after adulthood, it goes up to almost 40 percent. Wow! Uh, of adults in 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 the states. So that's pretty high. Um, I think it's different in different parts of the country. I think it's higher in our area because people mm -hmm. don't get out and do stuff. And especially in the winter, we're just kind of uh, stuck indoors and don't have regular exercise programs and stuff. So it's different. I think That's in, in the northeast part of the, yeah, of the country. Northeast, yeah, northeast, mm -hmm. yeah. And we're in the country. So we're, we do have access, say, to a gym if I really got to it and scraped my driveway and, you know, got down there. Probably the exercise I, I usually get is scraping the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get to the gym uh, anyway. So there's a high incidence. And then with the uh, higher incidence as consequences for kids, it, it increases their um, risk of other diseases. So not only in a, a adult life, but even that, even in preteen, you know, we never used to see, there's two types of diabetes. You might know there's a type two, which is a type adults, overweight adults get where they become insulin resistant. It's called. And we mm -hmm. never used to see that in kids at all. When I started, it was like rare, and now we see it almost every day. Wow. And the kids, so they have to be on like pills, not, not necessarily insulin shots, but pills for, to try to boost their um, sensitivity to their insulin and make their, ins their own natural insulin work better because they do have some insulin, but it doesn't work as well because they've just overloaded their system with too much uh, food and too, many, uh, too much sugar. So that, yeah. that for sure has gone up. And then any in adult obesity, as it carries out, as there's a high carryover into adulthood, certainly there's increased incidence of heart disease, stroke, the type two, type two diabetes, and sugar-related problems in adults. Um, certain types of cancer, I can't list those for you, but there, that the article talked about that. And then it's a leading uh, cause of premature death. And then you talked earlier about uh, the cost to the healthcare system, and they had numbers. I wasn't too impressed with the numbers, but they they really. Uh, something like a thousand dollars more per year for obese persons for their health care than a non-obese person. So, wow, hmm. that really adds up. Yeah, man. I mean, what is the problem? It, it, can the parents not just you know say, "Hey, eat those vegetables," and if you don't, taking away your cell phone? I mean, <laughs> well, that there that you can certainly offer good food, okay, um, and a kid can certainly refuse to eat it. Uh, on, on the other hand, um, you don't want to make too big a battle over food because that increases the anorexia bulimia cycle. The, the increased mm. risk of, of, of eating food or fighting about food causes, increases, in my opinion, the risk of anorexia. So because uh, anorexia is a power struggle over food, okay? And you mm. can't make me eat if, if you don't want, if I don't want to eat, I won't eat. So, so this is going to prove that I'm in control. So I'm over you, my parent, because you can't make me eat, and then so they lose weight, and they that can get them, they can get really sick with that too. So you have to be a little bit careful about fighting about food. I personally, I'm a real, bit of a tough toughy about it. If if they don't want what's served to them, uh, if they're hungry or not, they'll eat it. If they're not hungry and they are just being stubborn, they don't have to eat it. Just put it. Uh, I tell parents just cover it up, stick it in the fridge. If they come back two hours later before bed that they're hungry, pull it out and zap it. And, you can eat what we had for supper. You don't get snacks or apple pie because you skip supper. So, 
I love it. Yeah. It's how we were raised. And I don't think any of us are, over- <laughs> be- are, are overweight or obese. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, kids, when they're hungry, will eat. And, and especially I hear a lot of parents concerned when like a two or three year old, he didn't eat anything for two days. They eat a little bit and the other days they eat real well and that's okay. They'll figure it out. And when they get hungry, they'll be looking for food. So then providing good food. I feel like nowadays, though, you'd probably have somebody, you know, scream child abuse. And then, of course, you're you get blasted for it by some sort of woke group or something. And so you're afraid to even discipline your kids about what they eat. I mean, well, uh, it's it's really strange. Yeah, I think. Um, well, if we go with a modern psychologist and, and instead of Joe, uh, John Rosemont, <laughs> you ever read him, his stuff. He's amazing. Anyway, he's an old school <laughs> psychologist and. He doesn't believe a lot of the what he calls uh, modern psycho mumbo jumbo, and yeah. uh, and and he um, and he kind of he he would back me on that. I would agree with his approach. I'm sorry, give him credit for it. I didn't think of it um, to be um, just up front. And if the kid doesn't want to eat, that's fine. And if he's going to be stubborn and throw a temper tantrum, send him to send him to bed early without supper. So and that's not child abuse. You know, he he chose that. So. So that's the consequence. I just absolutely love that. And I think that if, eh, of course, I don't have kids. I mean, I deal with kids because I'm a teacher, but mm-hmm. I don't have them in my home. I'm not responsible necessarily for feeding them. Mm-hmm. So I I may be completely off base here, but but that just seems so simple and so logical that I can't imagine why parents aren't doing that more often. But uh, like I said, I, I, I don't have to deal with it, so I don't know. I think they feel guilty. I do. I think they feel guilty and they feel, yes, especially do. if they're like off at work all day and then they come home and this is the only two hours they see the kid and the kid is not cooperating. They, they do what they can to make, have a good friendship with their child. They need to be the parent, not the friend of the child. And uh, so in that, they need to be in charge and not uh, just succumb to whatever, bribing them with junk food because that's all they'll eat. Yeah. So real quick, I saw, speaking of, you know, the woke culture mumbo jumbo stuff, I saw uh, somebody post something online today uh, about the fact that they're overweight being uh, basically they're pinning it on the patriarchy. Uh, As a doctor, would you agree with that? This article did look at that. uh, How much (laughs) of it is genetics and how much of it is your thyroid? You always complain, oh, I have a bad thyroid, so I don't burn my energy well. I can maybe say that because I had a blood test to prove my thyroid is a little bit low, but most people, they just use that as an excuse. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and they said the percentage that goes to genetics is, is less than 5%. Genetics, only 5%. So I, wow. do, I do see families that are heavy, and the, the kids are heavy like the parent. And, you know, they some just call it their big bone. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. You have kids with broad shoulders and big build. But... Um, and that's concerning if they're a girl, not so concerning if they play football in Northwestern Pennsylvania. But the point, right. the True. point is that, um, is that that's only part of it. And it's more, I personally think is a lifestyle that that family has. And that's the way they, their family might get together and they're going to eat a, two turkeys for Thanksgiving and not just one and be reasonable about it. They, it, they just, it's a whole lifestyle that they've kind of gotten into. So, it, so it'd be the eating habits or the, the right. sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, both. I think, yeah. Mm. So do you think Michelle Obama's um, in, initiative for school lunches has helped at all 
in the in the um, obesity epidemic? I've got so many opinions on this. I, I know you do. That's why I <laughs> asked the question. But I wanted to hear my dad's well, perspective. I do think, you know, we'd like them to have healthy food, uh, but I don't know. The parents, like they say, they don't. The kids won't eat. You know, if they don't like it at school, they won't eat it. So if it's something funny looking, or if they don't like green broccolis or something looking at them off the plate, they won't eat them anyway. So they'll just put it in the garbage. So. I think it's what's happened at home more than what their school lunch is. I have a few kids, I would say. There's a small percentage of kids that um, their parents don't manage their um, food stamps or whatever, and they do run out of food by the end of the month. And they those kids depend, mm. depend on the school breakfast, school lunches to have some food to eat. Um, oh, that's rough. But so it's not a very big percentage, though. I mean, it's pretty small So mm. in our area. And and it'd be good to maybe maybe they can learn something about healthy eating habits if they see a healthy meal at school. Uh, they would probably they would definitely be introduced to more foods that than some people get at home because their parents don't cook or because they just buy a, a pre prepared whatever chef boyardee or something and they don't get a variety of foods. So maybe it's mm -hmm. good. But Chris, so Chris and I have had this conversation before. So <laughs> no, I'm gonna ahead. let Chris. <laughs> talk just for a second because because chris sees what's in the foods in yeah. those school lunches okay yeah, tell me yeah. about so, it tell me about it what do you what do you see yeah dr ham i'm glad that you mentioned that if a kid doesn't like the food that they're just going to throw it away and of course the michelle obama initiative they mandate that students take like a certain amount of things and so what ends up happening is is that the cooks produce they produce a lot of food and the kids end up throwing 85% of it away and they eat the one thing that they actually like. They like yeah. So it's creating a lot of food waste. Yeah. Uh, not only that, but of course it's costing the taxpayer that money that yeah. if the kids could just choose what they want, well, the cooks yeah, it might, could. might be better off just having fries and pizza and just go ahead and do the one. Piece yeah. Of pizza. yeah. I mean, that is all they're going to eat. They, they, they're not going to eat what they don't like. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. And it's, it's just sad. And the kids end up bringing a bag of Takis to eat instead of their food anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. That's too bad. And I think that starts at home. I don't think it's all just the school's fault. Now you can blame it on the school. I, I do wanted to talk about, you know, what do you do about it? Yeah. yeah. What do yeah. you do about there, it? <laughs> there's a couple of real simple little things that you can, one, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> well, five, four, three, two, one. Let's say, let's say it that way. There's two different versions of this I found. One that we use, that I've been using at the office, that one of my coworkers found. I didn't find it. <laughs> it's the five, four, three, two, one. They first off, five stands for five fruits or vegetables every day. So we're trying to get a variety of fruits and vegetables. Four it stands for four glasses of water. In other words, drink more water. Number mm. three, uh, three servings of low-fat dairy products. Now that can include yogurt or cheese or milk. Number two stands for two hours or less of screen time, of limit screen time. Number one, one hour or more of exercise every day. So that's the five, four, three, two, one. And then the newer, a different one I found from, it's a website, your pediatrician. It's from Brenner's Children's Hospital uh, in, uh, that's the Wake Forest, Salem, North Carolina Children's Hospital. Um, they have, their five is five fruits or vegetables. Their four is four meals together. That's where the family meal thing comes in instead of four glasses of water because they add a zero at the bottom. Number three is uh, uh, three meals uh, a day that instead of, so they want you to not skip meals. 
the point is that um, if we eat three small meals, we don't get to, into the habit of gorging that one meal because we're starving. Mm. And that's better for your metabolism as well. If you can spread it out through the day, it's better on your insulin and everything. Number, mm. And the one stands for one hour of exercise. Oh, sorry, two limit screen time to two hours a day like the other one. And the one was one hour of exercise. And they add a zero on the bottom. And they say zero sweetened beverages. So, yes. So there's a huge thing, I think, and, and that's what I do for my teenagers. If they'll just stop drinking pop every day, one or two pops a day, they'll lose weight. They'll lose like five, oh, yeah. five, it just five, melts right off of five it. pounds a month just from not drinking pop. So, and I, I, wow. and I think even the artificial sweetened juices, uh, they say it's okay to do artificial. I don't even think that's a good idea because we always used to uh, get this no. idea we have to have a sweet in our mouth all the time. And I think mm-hmm. that's a bad habit mm-hmm. to get into because then I'm always ditching candy and stuff in the middle of the day when I need something. So when I don't need something, when I just bored or something, need to put something in my mouth. So. Aren't those artificial sweeteners just like sugar um, as they're processed through the body? And so it'll block your leptin receptors from telling you you're full and all of that stuff. I mean, don't they work just the same? Um, they're not me- me- metabolized the same. You, I don't know about the receptors. I'd have to research that uh, some more. But I do think, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I can't give a good scientific answer for that because I haven't done the sure. research. But there's some good stuff out there that says that the diet drinks don't help you lose weight. Oh, I can't imagine that they would. Yeah. I I don't know what's wrong with water. And do you have to bottle it and and increase the plastic? I don't know. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't go there. (laughs) (laughs) To me, there's nothing that tastes more refreshing than water. I mean, that's what I want to drink. And I'm not even like a super fit guy. You know, I just can't imagine trying to down a Coke every day or, I mean, that just blows my mind that that's all some people drink uh-huh. is soda. That's what they're used to. And then they can't, I know you see them loading up their grocery carts with more and more six packs of pop and stuff. And that's, it's a waste of money in my opinion, but it certainly doesn't help their health at all. Well, there's no nutritional yeah. value to it, right? Right, right. Just the sugar for calories that you're not going to use. Yeah, well, then what's the point? Just make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like a, a temporary <laughs> dopamine that, that, that's, that's like rush is, or something. Think, and then yeah, of course you yeah, crash, right? Up and down again. Yeah. Just another fix. Wow. So I'm, I'm really curious, Dr. Ham. And I, you know, I just, I, I certainly hope that you don't take this the wrong way, but I, I'm just curious because it's not really on you for people to follow your plan. Yeah. It's on them. <laughs> so please don't take this the wrong way, but what is your success rate when it comes to dealing with children with metabolic syndrome? Okay, metabolic syndrome can, is a classification of overweight with insulin resistance. So it's basically pre-diabetic, and and um, mm-hmm. and they have been consequences of that. It has high blood pressure, and uh, and then risk of kidney disease. So there, there's uh, overweight has affected their metabolic system. My uh, personal success rate is very low because I have to talk kids into it which means I need a whole bunch of extra time, uh, which I don't have uh, in a, a primary pediatric practice. Now, they have specialty clinics like at the children's hospitals where they'll work with o- overweight kids and they have counseling along with uh, the education, along with uh, sort of meals to show them proper meal portions. And so the programs like that where you're using like a social worker, psychologist, dietitian all together um, pro- have a better success rate even then it's not that great okay um 
think mm-hmm. their last article. It's been a while since I read a good article about that, but they're they're out there all the time. Um, maybe only 30, 40%. So, and now they're t- already talking about doing that, the bariatric surgery where they shrink the stomach down so you can't eat a lot at one time. And that's in teenagers. For kids? For kids, yeah. Teenagers and young, younger oh teens gosh. already. And that's, you're doing a surgery that's <clears throat> sort of pretty serious. Yeah. But, sure. Um, and you're, you're trying to make them have a smaller stomach because they can't limit what they put in. You can only, you, you put this staple off part of their stomach so that you can only put so much in at a time. I, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right thing. To, and it's really too bad. It's not a good thing. No, not at all. That doesn't even seem like the easy way out. That seems even harder than simple self-control, you know? Do you ever refer kids to clinics like that at the local children's hospital? Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly if somebody's listening to this and they want to find out about it, they should check their local children's hospital because there's some, there will be something available in the eating disorder clinic. If they're a bulimic or anorexic and the dietitian can work with the uh, GI doctors and the endocrinologists because they're getting the metabolic syndrome. They're getting other complications of their overweight. Um, They, those uh, bigger centers have access and have clinics and they're doing studies all the time. They have, Clinics uh, are very more effective than I can be when I just sit and talk to them for five minutes and give them a five four three two one zero talk. Right. Now I will write that down on the paper they take home <laughs> and print it out and <laughs> give it to them on their way out the door. But uh, even then, um, I don't know how much. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit skeptical, or uh, uh, having been doing this for thirty years, and you know, you people listen to you as much as they want to listen to you, and. And they go on with their own life. So we could talk. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I will say that um, my kids are patients at my dad's pediatric office. One of his other, uh, oh my gosh, colleagues, (laughs) providers, sorry. That's okay. Either either, either one. (laughs) Um, Is their primary care doctor. And um, she's been helping our family because one of our girls is on that, in that uh, over 85th percentile. And so we've been, we've been working with that, um, Especially the one hour of exercise a week and a day. meal. Uh, 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 sorry, let <laughs> me rephrase that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, I put, I wrote it down even um, one hour a day, and then the portion control as well. And um, between her last two physicals, she is she's down. Um, nice. So, Good job. Yeah, we've been. Yeah, it's been work. But that's been that was a year of work. So, yeah. and we're still working yeah. on it. It's not something we. It's can worth stop. it though, yeah. if you can get her to change, you know, any bad habits she has or whatever. Yeah, isn't like a, a temporary bout of anorexia a good thing for these <laughs> overweight kids? Oh, no. <laughs> anorexia has has a lot of a psychological overlay in it. It's a control thing, and I think it's sort of a OCD. It's a compulsion about eating, so that it. It uh, maybe displaces the uh, the eating as a answer, but it, then the non-eating becomes a power uh, or control system. I mean, anorexia is not an easy thing to deal with, and I would put it up there one of the harder things a child psych deals with. Hmm. So it's wow. uh, it's an, we can joke about it. It's a good thing to joke about because you'd like them to quit eating. I have a, a few kids. I was just thinking of one teenager. 
he he lost like 80 pounds because he decided I'm, I'm sick of being overweight and he put himself Good for him he put yeah he put himself on an exercise program seriously he would go out mm-hmm. and exercise hard for an hour every day and then he started lifting weights and he really limited his intakes he quit drinking pop and and he lost a lot of weight and he looked really good just in late teens and he's getting ready to go off to college so good kid really motivated but that's what it took it took a lot of motivation on his part to buy in mm-hmm. and that's what will definitely enhance his yeah. college years yeah what i'm trying to struggle with is to try to get these kids to buy in so yeah and then take responsibility themselves mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you could get that young man that lost all that weight to maybe uh, record some sort of a promo or something you could show those kids, you know, before and after pictures or whatever, and be like, this is what could happen to you if you just, you know, get off your butt and do something. Yeah, never thought of that. So he would be a good poster child, yeah. There you go. We'll help you with your marketing. I think that's great. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was joking about the uh, the anorexic thing, but I figured you were, were, but I didn't want to let it go. Sure, sure. I do wonder... <laughs> we, we we've been talking about overweight kids that you see. How many malnourished kids come in? You know, like with their in my anorexia. Area, no, not necessarily anorexia, but we you know maybe you let's go the opposite like, route. People who four or five anorexics, but more more problem with the malnourished kids are are they're neglected, and they're the littler mm. littler ones that can't yeah. can't get out and get the food themselves. So kids under right. under three or two or three or four whose parents don't bother feeding them. So that's a different issue altogether. I, oh, I don't a think it's a, l- a lack of food, and especially in our areas where we have food kitchens in every town and we have food pantries so they can get food and they have, uh, if we can line them up with the uh, social services and get the food stamps, there's food available. Oh, yeah. Uh, they need to use, learn how to feed properly with what's available, and, and that's educating the parents and we need to uh, try to catch the kids that are being neglected mm-hmm. and uh, and teach the... I wonder parents. how many of those parents are probably, you know, on some sort of uh, drug that's keeping them from actually taking care of their kids. Uh, I agree with you on that, that uh, a lot of those have severe psychological issues themselves, the parents do, and they self-medicate, yeah. So they're trying to, yeah. they're escaping or treating their anxiety, depression, uh, addictions. And, uh, so they are focused on that so much. They don't focus on their kids. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I could talk all day about this stuff. I certainly don't want to end on a sad note. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Is there, is there hope? Do you think dad that, um, with, the, is, I guess, is there hope for us to have less obese children as it, it, are we I on think, an yeah. incline or a decline? I think there's a couple of things that need to happen. Uh, they, we need parents like you who bought into it and said, I'm going to do something about it. And a daughter who checks with you now when she wants second or third helping and tries to limit how much junk she's, how much her portion sizes are. And, mm-hmm. and then your effort to kick them outside and play and get some regular physical activity every day. We need parents to buy into that. That's really, really important. And, and then, um, we need to turn off the video games. I really do. I think we're sitting there looking at the videos and listening to blogs, <laughs> uh, and we're not ex- and we're not exercising. So we need to probably listen to the blog while we're on the treadmill or on the bike. And there you go. And uh, we need to all have a, a, a demonstrate. Uh, basically, sh- show our kids that exercise is important, even if it's getting just for a walk around the block. That's why I always tell my kids start 
start small. And mm -hmm. I usually tell them to try to get start with 20 minutes a day. That's walking around the block twice and drag your mom along too. And so make it a family deal. And yeah, and, and uh, can usually get ten, teens and preteens to do to uh, kind of agree to that. And then um, just I uh, know they can things they can do easily is quit drinking pop, you know, some we start with two simple things, no, no pop, exercise every day, and then turn off the video games and get outside. Yeah, so I think it's so interesting that kids spend so much time inside. When I was a kid, you couldn't keep me inside. All I wanted to do was go outside and play in the mud and explore yeah. and stuff. Like, and and back then there was no internet, so if there was an amber, I don't even know if there was such a thing as an amber alert no, back I don't then. Think Let's so. say your kid no. get gets no. kidnapped back then, they're they're done for. Nowadays, <laughs> you can't kidnap a kid. So why aren't you parents yeah. put your kids outside? They're safe. Yeah. They're safer now than they ever have been. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, they, I do think in response to that, they will put them in organized sports, but that's only like once or twice a week. They go to dance class yeah. and for an hour or less than an hour, or they go to gymnastics or something. That's good exercise, but you, we need to be consistent with it. It's a real commitment on the parents' part then, financial and time-wise, to be hauling them all around to do all these different things. And like you say, in the old days, we could run outside and go down to the corner lot and play baseball or go to the hill and sled or something uh there was a different mentality now they're all hooked on their shooting the aliens or whatever it is they do yeah, yeah. I, I you you mentioned how big of a commitment it would be even financially for the parents but is it not worth it i mean your your child's health their longevity uh you know for them to have a, a fulfilled and happy life like Put them in an organized sport. It's not going to break your bank. It would break Just, my bank, Chris. I've got four okay, kids okay, to put into an organized sport. <laughs> well, think, but prioritize. <laughs> and you don't necessarily have to put them in organized sport. Just get them outside. Yeah. Kick their butts outside. Hey, go build a sandcastle and then take a picture of it with your phone. Go, you know, build do a you fort. you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Whatever it is, you know. Just get your butt outside and do something. Yeah. I really like your uh, five, four, three, two, one uh, thing because I, I thought you were going to give me the, uh, the the food pyramid or wh whatever it is now, the food plate, <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, man, you know, that's never going to work. But I, I like the five, four, three, two, one. It's not all about food. It's it's about other things as well. Yeah. So I, I really like that. That's really cool. I wonder if is there like a, a graphic for that or some sort of visual we might be able to put uh, give to our listeners? Um, I don't have that because I, I was given I. This, this one you might check on the Brennan's Children's Hospital FIT, F-I-T program at uh, Salem, North Carolina, B-R-E-N and Brenner's, sorry, Brenner's Children's Hospital and uh, and see if there's a place because that's where I got the article about the 543210 with uh, no sweetened beverages. I'm going to add that onto my, <laughs> my 54321. Yeah, I, I love it. And I might change that water one down to over... I can put that down with the zero drink water instead of sweetened beverages and and then uh, the family meals, meals together. Is, uh, I think we need to teach good eating habits and we're going to do that by modeling good eating habits. So. Yeah. Just not two gallons of water at, at a time. No, no. <laughs> In one <laughs> sitting. Four glasses <laughs> through there the whole go. day. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great advice. And we'll, I'll, I'll look for, um, I'll look for that and see if we can't put that in the show notes for people to, to, you know, have easy access to as well. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, man, Dr. Ham, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and getting to know you. Thank you so much for your time and, and for your expertise. You're welcome. 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on, Dad. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Thank you. This episode was edited by Elizabeth. Music by Dan Koch at dancoke.net. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and head on over to fadetograypodcast.com and join our Patreon to join the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Fade to Gray Network.